disputes. They happen within the church all the time. The question is, how do you deal with them according to the scriptures? We'll find out next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Disputes, Christian disputes, how do we settle them? Do we take one another to court? Do we turn the other cheek? There are a lot of practical questions, and the Apostle Paul has a lot of practical answers here in 1 Corinthians. We welcome you to our broadcast and would invite you to join us today as we take a look at how Christians are to settle disputes. Here's our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Let's look at another heresy. Christians cannot solve their own problems, but they need to go to court. The Corinthians were doing this, and let us read this. And I'm going to give you a panoramic view of scriptures that tell you uh, how to settle a difference. Chapter 6, the Corinthians were in love with the courts. They, it was a way of Athenian life. They went to court all the time. Uh, the, uh, the Jews did not. Jews went uh, to the synagogue or they would go to uh, village elders. But the Greeks had a fanaticism about going to the courts. I mean, they were constantly... Uh, into the courts. Uh, if you ever read any background on it, uh, there's some good studies by William Barclay uh, on the background of the Greeks loved suits. They loved to bring arbitration. Even on the least defense, if Lockwood and I had a, a beef, uh, the way they would do, the way it was prescribed in Athenian Greek culture was to, uh, well, I'll meet you tomorrow. You bring uh, an arbitrator. I'll bring an arbitrator. And then between us, we had to agree on a third person that was supposedly the neutral. Uh, and we'll come together and we'll hash this out in court. And this was, uh, uh, went on. It was a way of life. It was a, a way of life. Aristophanes one time saw a map of Greece. And he said, it cannot be Greece. I see no lawyers. Uh, I, I read something here. Uh, that, that Warren Wearsby said, uh, was talking about the United States is rapidly getting a similar reputation. Over 200,000 civil suits were filed in federal courts recently in a 12-month period, and I'm sure these stats are out of sync. Nearly one million lawyers, and their number is increasing are now operating in the United States. One million. In one year, more than 12 million lawsuits were filed in state courts. 12 million. So be sure you don't hit anyone in our parking lot. If you were a Greek. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment Instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And will pick up this judge not that you be not judged. You remember that little phrase? Judge not that you be not judged. Now he's telling them to judge. 
because you're going to judge saints and you're going to judge rather angels and you're going to judge the world. And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? And they were cases having to do with property, uh, clothes, money. uh, They weren't criminal things. The church is never allowed to solve criminal cases. That's for government. They bear the sword, Romans 13. This isn't talking about, well, I I just killed my mother-in-law and it won't ever, we're Christians, let's don't take it. No, no, that's criminal. We're talking about trivial kinds of issues. Do you not know that we will judge angels? Don't you find that an astounding statement? Did any of you know that before? This is the first time you've ever heard of it. You will be in on judging angels, and I'm assuming as we sit with Christ and watch him reign and judge, we'll be there as his cohort, as his bride. And I think primarily we'll be witnesses and affirm Christ judging, but we're included here some way. How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges, even men of little account in the church. And many uh, commentators think he's being sarcastic. Since they're small cases, small issues you're squabbling about, and and he's just tongue-in-cheek, why don't you just get an insignificant guy in the church? It'd be a lot better to do that than going before an unjust, ungodly judge to sell our differences between brothers. That's, and so it's kind of insignificant issues, get insignificant people and being sarcastic about it. I say this to your shame. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? Do, do you see the word judge? Have you ever heard the verse, judge not that you be not judged? How can they both be true? And I'm going to go back to and give a quick view of Matthew 7 again. And because I am sick and tired of it being abused. I'm going to show you again what it means, I think. But instead, one brother goes to law against another. And this in front of unbelievers. It's like a wife always telling a mixed company what's wrong with her husband. Can't you do that in private? Mixed company deserves a certain amount of hypocrisy. Be quiet about their faults before others. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Let's establish some um, operating criteria here. We understand God is the judge of all and that God has uh, expressed his will and his divine legislation so that we as his people, we don't write the rules, we follow them. Right? And so we have to use God's dictionary about what we don't understand or what we should do. God's legislation. 
So we're following divine legislation when he says, settle difference among yourselves. And even if it comes down that you take a loss because you're dealing with a brother, rather take the loss than to go before the ungodly, the unjust, and he's saying unsaved people. I don't think he says the judicial system is ungodly because he's going to commend it in Romans 13. But, but be, rather than to take your squabbling before the unsaved that don't know the same God, don't claim the same Father, if you have to take the loss, take the loss. Rather than take the case outside the church. So he clearly is saying that among ourselves, we should settle our own disputes when there are differences between believers and they can't get it resolved. Should it not be possible to go before elders, deacons, uh, those that you would consider godly and mature, have some kind of wisdom to call it and resolve it? That's what he's arguing for. And uh, obviously, they were not. And so, here are a people claiming to be super wise. Uh, They're beginning to struggle with the message of the cross. Uh, But they claim superior knowledge, superiority in gifts, but they don't know how to settle disputes among themselves. Big question. Have you ever seen churches that didn't know how to settle their own disputes? Have you ever seen in the paper, someone sues the church? Uh, Even a church discipline thing, we have a form on our church discipline thing that you promise you won't sue us if we discipline you. I'm not sure to hold up in court, but we could at least call you a liar if you do it. Why? Because we had a case back in the Midwest where a member sued the church that disciplined them and it went a step further. How dare you deal with me over my sin? I'm going to sue you. And, and they won their suit. The civil court stood with the person that sued the church. And they, they were punished so much money. So he's really saying, don't, don't do that. You're competent to judge among yourselves what is right, what is wrong. Keep your disputes among yourselves. And remember, that's what he said in chapter 5. In chapter 5 that we looked at last time, that he said, deal with this immoral brother. You're able to deal. Look at verse 12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Clearly, God tells his people, you can discern right from wrong. You can discern wrong behavior. I started to uh, bring a, cut off a, a, a branch of my orange tree with some oranges on it. And just say, oh, would, you, would you call it for me? What is it? Oh, I can't judge. Come on, Dumbo. You judge all the time. See, we're being sold a bill. You take the uh, expletive that is used all the time. It goes like this. God damn you. 
Now, what is being done there? We've invoked the name of God to bring a bad consequence on someone, and it's just a locker room language. Has anyone ever been around it in the past week? So they're, they're, they're sentencing a man to hell. They're sentencing a man to divine judgment and do it in a normal conversation. And immediately if they hear anything about believers having any, boy, they're, they're not supposed to judge. Well, you just sent a man to hell. You damned him in the name of God. It's a way of life to judge, to sentence, to call people names with a penalty attached. We don't get to do that. He forbids it. We even suffer loss if need be. That's the Christian testimony. I know men that uh, in this church, people borrow money. And I've had them tell me this. I know if I loan money to a brother, two things. I don't want to charge them interest unless it's business and they're making a profit then I'd feel comfortable probably. But if it's personal need, I don't charge interest. And number two, I've got to be willing to lose it and not be bitter against them. Right? So don't ever loan over 20 bucks (laughs) or count the cost. Um, We could give you a recommendation to some good friendly banks. I I remember when I was going to Western Baptist College, uh, I started out in school paying $10 a unit. When I transferred to Western in my junior year, tuition had gone up to $27.50 a unit. And I was in my junior year, and I I thought it was outrageous that they would charge that much for tuition. And I went in to see uh, Dr. Thiessen. I said, hey, I, I can't pay my tuition right now. And he said, fine. He just gave me an application to a local bank. He said, we don't make loans. I said, God sent me here. He said, I believe he did. I hope the bank agrees. He was brutal. Guess what? I came up with the money some way. I hated robbing that woman, but you know. uh, Anyway, uh, let let us go back and just uh, look at some, man, I hope these things get edited before they go on the broadcast. Oh, be serving time. Uh, look at uh, uh, Matthew 7. We touched on this before. I want to just walk you through just enough because I'm fanatically wanting to take on everybody that uses this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. How many of you never judge anyone? No, don't raise your hand. I, I think you'd be lying. So what is he saying now? He's going to qualify. Don't judge. Don't judge. I think he's saying don't be critical in judgment or be censorious. Always critical, you know, critical spirit, that kind. And then he begins to qualify what he means. What? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. That, 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 that's a good measurement, isn't it? Evaluate them like you would evaluate yourself. Now watch. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Okay. 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Now, that's good. He's really saying you're hypocritical judges because your problems are much greater than what you're being critical of. You've got a much larger problem in your life that you won't deal with, but you're nitpicking people with lesser issues. Isn't that what he's saying? The greater, the lesser. But notice, get what he says. Take care of the plank in your eye that you may ignore the brother with a speck in his eye. That you might do what? And, and what would you be able to do if you could see? I can't hear you. Somebody needs to get the speck out of their eye. It's not good. You know, I go to an optometrist. Don't be critical. Don't be critical. Don't see anything wrong with my eye. I'm paying you to do this. Wait, you've got a little speck of steel in your eye. My brother Paul nearly lost an eye doing a job, just nearly lost it. And picking the steel out of that eye was a tough job. No, the idea is if I can get whole and get my own outlook, my perspective whole, it's not that I won't see specks. I'll see specks, but notice, when I deal with my own life issues, when I see the speck, My response is not to be critical, it's to help you remove it. I see the glazed look. That's not illumination, it looks glazed. Do you understand it? I come to you with a problem. Well, I don't want to get involved. I'm walking with Jesus and since he took the moat out of my eye, I can't see any other problems. So... I've got a speck in my, could you help me? Do you see it? Yeah, I see it, but go see the pastor. Go see the pastor. He might be dealing with a plank problem right now. He may have had a good spat with his wife the night before. Does that ever happen? I I never try to be with her on Saturday so I can be spiritual on Sunday. You know, uh, and so here, uh, it's not that you won't see the speck, but when you've dealt with your life problem, you're not judging people that've got the speck. I'm willing to help you. The hypocrite in them, you've got a bigger problem. You're critical of other people's problems, and you won't, you won't offer an ounce of help to get them because you're too busy judging them to want to help them. That's what he's taking on. Then he gives an example of discerning judgment. Don't give what's good to the dogs or the swine, which is a graphic illustration. Brutal. If anyone but Jesus said this, I would nearly throw it out of the Bible. But he said it. Beware when you're handing out answers that you're not dealing with people who will treat them like dogs and swine and just devour and trample under. Then he goes on down. Look at verse 13. Enter through the uh, narrow gate 
for what there's a wide gate. You want to go through the narrow gate. How can I do that without judging which gate? Don't I have to make a discerning kind of decision? Narrow, wide. I must be able to make that decision. I must be able to function judgmentally, not critically, but judgment in the sense of evaluating what's the truth. Evaluate right or wrong. Okay, then he goes down in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. Well, I can't, Lord. I've been told not to judge. I can't judge. So I couldn't call anybody false if they just claimed Jesus and looked spiritual. You wouldn't want me to judge a guy to see if he's false or right, would you? Well, he did. He did. How would you know with all these televangelists if they're false or true? God just told me you need to send me $1,000. If you sow this seed faith, I guarantee you'll get 10000 back or your mother-in-law will die. Why, look at there. He's got a word from God. No, he's a con artist. Call him a con artist. He's a lying thief operating in the name of the gospel. When will you start supporting your church and quit sending it to televangelists that are ripoff artists? Support a bunch of kids in volleyball madness. So I get amazed some of you folks, once you get money, you want to send it to something worthy. Why don't you give it to the church you go to? Or find a church you can support. I don't buy my groceries at Safeway and run down to Lucky's to pay the bill. You're just so slow this morning. We need, you need, you, you've got a caffeine deficiency. I mean, the first service I call Sleeping Hollow. You're just preaching in their sleep. The youth guys have to act awake because they're on the staff. And we evaluate awake during the morning service. But look what he says here. What they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you won't know them. What does your say? You will recognize them by what their fruit, their activity. Do people get grapes from thorn bushes? No. Every tree that bears not good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Judge people by their activity, their action, their behavior, their fruit. Same thing. The fruit of their life. What's What's on display in their life? The fruit, the activity. Then he says, there will be people that will come to Jesus and they are so deceived in themselves, they try to convince Jesus that they know him. Even you can die in this church and be thinking you're going to heaven and you're going to come up before God and say, well, I attended Valley Bible Church. Uh, I looked pious on Sunday and uh, I knew a lot of Christian terms and language. Lord, Lord, I know you, don't I? And he said, I never did know you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
truth for today that we might live in truth tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Our teacher and pastor has been Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. And on today's broadcast of Truth for Today, we've spent time here in God's Word that we might grow in His grace. If you'd like to review today's message, copies are available on CD for just $5. Mention today's date when you call 510-799-3171, 510-799-3171. You're welcome to visit our website. We have resource materials there at our online store, as well as information about us, who we are, what we believe, worship opportunities, and events here at the church valleybible.org is the website. Again, valleybible.org. And would you drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit. That would mean a great deal to us. Also, it encourages us when you call or write to us and let us know how the program encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. Please don't take for granted for a moment the significance of correspondence with us. It really does matter, and it really does make a difference when you contact us and let us know how the program encourages you. Questions, comments, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Our desire is for you to grow in Christ, that we might be mutually encouraged in his grace. So again, the phone number is 510-799-3171. That's 510-799-3171. And the web address is valleybible.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We're just off Highway 4, the church with the three crosses on the hill, about a quarter of a mile from the Highway 4 I-80 junction. You can't miss us. Directions can be had when you call us, again, 510-799-3171, or by visiting our website, valleybible.org. We thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. God bless.